Welcome back to Safe Talk with Safe Start. I'm Danny Smith, and today we continue our series on Safe Start's six success factors. Now, if you haven't downloaded the white paper with this, be sure to check that out. We'll put a link to that in the in the show notes there. But it's a real treat for you today. We have one of the co-authors of that white paper, our fellow senior consultant, and uh, one of the sharpest minds I know, Mr. Peter Petroni. Peter, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Danny, for the kind introduction, and thanks again for having me back on the podcast. I really enjoy this, and you know, if I can, I'd really like to say thank you to uh, Dr. Pandora Bryce, as you know, was one of the, or my co-author on the paper, and you know that she's really the smart one. And so, Indeed, she is. <laughs> with that said. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you, 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 uh, you and her to make a great team, and I think it's really a brilliant paper. I, I read through it just the other day when it was released. And uh, it, it's really, really just kind of a roadmap of how to succeed uh, with Safe Start, but certainly in other areas as well with other projects and, and you know, processes that are going on within organizations. But it really focuses in on what helps people to succeed with Safe Start. And there are six success factors in all. And today we're going to focus on trust and engagement. Uh, and this portion of the paper really has two main points. So let's kind of lay the groundwork of where we're going with this. The first one is on engaging coworkers with open communication. And the second then is listening in order to understand, then clarify and confirm. So let's let's talk about those a bit, Pete. All right. So if we start with uh, engaging the coworkers and open communication. And this is, you know, everybody that we encounter at work, Danny. And, and if we could, I'd like the audience to think for just a minute about someone in their lives that might be a coworker or somebody in their personal lives that they really trust and respect. I, and I think this is a really, really powerful thing to do. You know, who's that go-to person? You know, when, when stuff hits the fan, who do you want on your team? Mm -hmm. And if you really think about it, those people generally share you know, three qualities that I've seen. And, and the first one is that they're going to shoot straight with you, right, all the time. And especially when it's something that you might not want to hear or something difficult to say, they're still going to be a straight shooter. So that's the first thing. The next thing is that the person's humble. You know, they've got humility as an as a ingrained trait, willing to admit their mistakes, admit their shortcomings. That's the second thing. And then the third thing, is that these types of people that, that are usually trustworthy, that we trust, have other people's interests at heart. They're invested in the other person's success and not so much in their own success. So I think those three things, you know, not asking you to be everybody's friend, but if you try to practice those three things, you certainly gain the respect and, and trust of the people that you interact with. Just making sure everybody caught those three items there that you mentioned. Shooting straight, always shooting straight. I like that. Being humble and just making sure that you have the other person's best interest at heart. I think those are really, really key. And, you know, as I think about the mentors that I've had through the years, personally and professionally, I'm, personally, I'm thinking of my, my grandfather at the moment because I had a lot of interaction with him growing up. All of them had those things in common. And to be blunt, that's that's why I listen to them. That's why people listen to anybody that's in one of these roles. The trust and engagement plays a huge, huge role for that. Even if the coaching has to be direct or you know a little rough at times, uh, that's that's why we listen to them, right? Because we do respect them, we do trust them. Yeah, those are great points, Danny. And you know, 
we don't really have to be a mentor to everybody, but, but if you want to build trust, you know, maintain trust with somebody, I'd be hard pressed to come up with a better foundation than those three characteristics that we just talked about. Sure. And it really kind of comes back to communication as well. Does that sound fair? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Danny, that we often discuss how the six safety climate success factors are so intertwined. You know, they're really, really closely interrelated. But I believe that the trust and engagement is really at the heart of it. You know, it, it'd be uh, challenging to develop and improve the other five factors without that trust and engagement. You know, if we have a climate of blame, uh, we either blame individuals or sometimes, you know, shifts blame each other, departments blame each other. You know, that's going to be hard to develop trust in an atmosphere like that. And without that trust, without that engagement, there's not going to be effective or, or sincere communi communication amongst the teams. And, and, you know, even when there is open communication, workers are going to be willing to identify what's really going on rather than trying to, you know, kind of hide or ignore safety issues, near misses, things like that. As we know, the hardest problem to solve is that one that we don't know about. Absolutely. So when leaders are role models, you know, for candid conversation and owning up to their own mistakes, uh, advocates for solving the problems, finding the underlying conditions, rather than relying on quick fixes or pointing a finger, you know, you're not only going to get trust, but you're going to get more accurate information, more open dialogue, and workers are going to be willing to, to share more often. You know, if we think of the flip side of that coin, if you look work in an environment where there's low trust, you know, that can lead to people disregarding safety rules, for example, taking shortcuts that can lead to errors and, you know, sometimes result in injuries, as we know, productivity upsets, those types of things. And when we look around, see that nobody else is, uh, you know, doing it the way the rules say, you know, that kind of becomes the, comes the norm, right? We might feel social pressure to take those unnecessary risks. You know, and the research affirms this. Excessive peer pressure, you know, can influence the way we do our work. A mistrust between colleagues can create that environment where, you know, there's just, you know, a strain on uh, solving issues and strain on communications. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it sounds like a key component for building trust is it really just comes back to communication, uh, just having a daily dialogue, just talking with people. You know, that, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, the research that we did continues to support that notion, Danny, the daily interaction between people, you know, leaders getting out and talking to people, considered one of the building blocks of having a healthy safety climate. You know, in the cur current work environment, those interactions, you know, we're, we're used to doing them face to face. We've been doing them for a long time. But, you know, we've got to think that in the, you know, in the current world, texting sometimes is the preferred form of communication. Uh, we've got all these online platforms that we're using, you know, person to face-to-face -to -face communications or face-to-face -face conversations aren't uh, option. We've got to rely on the technology to help us out, but we can still use those uh, platforms to, to build trust if we're, if we're open and, and humble and invested in other folks like we, like we talked about before. Right. You know, it's interesting it, you say that, Pete. Uh, I, obviously, during the pandemic, we were doing a lot of virtual sessions, and it's funny we're recording this on on the Zoom platform uh, as we're going through and doing our podcast. It's just a good format for us to do this. We do a lot of stuff now virtually. We have a lot of virtual meetings, and I find that uh, one of the things that I noticed during the pandemic 
was that I was not and immediately after the pandemic as well, as we started getting back out and, and being with people again, is I noticed I started not making eye contact with people as much. And I think a part of that was, you know, the psychologists say that we don't like seeing ourselves on screen. And that certainly is a part of the Zoom teams, whatever platform you're using, the virtual platforms. That's a part of that. We don't like staring at that screen that's got our picture on there. So I quit looking directly at the screen all the time while I was, you know, on screen myself. And I found that when I got back out with people, that was affecting me because I was not making eye contact with people like I used to. And that's, I don't know about you, but when I have somebody that is not making eye contact with me, particularly in person, that's subconsciously even kind of signals distrust, right? And so making eye contact is is a huge thing. And I found that the virtual platforms, going back again, you can't read the, you know, the tone or or message or anything into a text message, that type of thing as well. But certainly all of those things play a, a role when you're thinking about building trust. You you gotta be able to be comfortable with somebody and feel feel that they're trustworthy, right? Yeah, a, a few important things that you said there, Danny. It's absolutely important to understand how those kind of nonverbal things, nonverbal parts of communication, like making eye contact or nodding your head when somebody's talking, how important it is, and even how, you know, more important it is when we're using the electronic, you know, media to communicate. And and another point that I was thinking about as you were as you were mentioning that is how easy it is for our habits to change when technology changes. And it's really important, especially when we're talking about communicating with people to, you know, understand what those important habits are and make an effort to maintain them and not let the, let the technology changes. Yeah, it's really true. Uh, You know, we, we, we often joke about it being an issue with younger generations, but it's, you and I are about the same age. It's not just the younger folks. It's folks our age as well uh, who are, you know, certainly in the end of the Gen X, uh, the, the earlier part of the Gen X, or maybe even in the, the end of the baby boomers, even, you know, uh, in that time period. I guess I'm giving our age away by saying that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, folks in their 50s, you know, even early 60s, we, we see them doing the same thing now. It's not just a young people problem, if you will. And boy, I think the millennials get blamed for everything. But, you know, it's it's not just them. It's everybody. I mean, we've all drifted towards that. And I think, uh, you know, again, uh, not blaming everything on COVID, but I certainly think that the pl- pandemic didn't do us any favors when it comes to, to interpersonal communications, for sure. Now, in this paper, you tell about a leader who used communications to to save a lot of jobs at his plant. Uh, if you don't mind, share a bit of that with with everyone here, if you don't mind. Sure, Danny. And, you know, as I think about this, I, I've seen this same type of scenario play out over and over again, even, you know, going back to the time that I was in the military where a leader will come in with the same people, same resources, but just get extraordinary results. And, you know, recently I had the opportunity to talk with a plant manager and he was telling me that, you know, he was tasked to go to a plant, kind of evaluate the plant. They were underperforming. And, you know, his boss wanted him to make a decision of, you know, should we keep the plant open or should we close it down? And, you know, it had a remarkable turnaround in the productivity, the, you know, happiness of the people there. And it really happened kind of, you know, it's a transformation that happened over a really short period of time. And and when I asked the plant manager, you know, what, what was your key to success? He said, you know, 
first thing I did when I came here was took the time to learn everybody's name, find out what their, you know, what their pinch points were, what, what was bothering them and develop a personal relationship with all of those folks. And by doing that kind of turned around people's attitudes. So with the same equipment, you know, same raw materials just had extraordinary output. And it really came down to his relationship with those people that, that kind of turned the tide there. So I thought that was, you know, really closely related to what we're talking about today with the communication, taking the time to listen, uh, you know, be invested in in other people and, and you know, be in earnest about that and how it can really work to help you get, you know, what we call discretionary energy from folks, right? People sure. come to work. You don't want them just working hard enough not to get fired. You want them working hard <laughs> enough to really succeed, right? Sure. Yeah. And uh, I think it's... Uh amazing when you when you start having those conversations with people when and it we're not talking about anything major here it's just you know being personable and and being open with them it's just remarkable what you can unearth in those conversations if they begin to trust you and they begin to engage with you uh you're going to find out all sorts of things you know in that example you you talked about it sounded like you know he began to unearth some frustrations that were going on there. And a lot of that comes back to, to listening and, and listening accurately. And I found as, as our friend Jack Jackson often says that people tend to listen to respond rather than listening to comprehend, or to put it another way, most of us uh, have probably heard this probably from a parent or grandparent. God gave you two ears and one mouth, use them accordingly. Right. Exactly. And that, that my mother used to give me that advice uh, all the time, right? Listening has got to be important and, and that we're designed to listen more than we are to talk. And, you know, just waiting around for your, if you're the type of person that's just waiting around for your, your turn to talk, people are going to pick up on that. Right? Sure. People pick up on those, those subtle nonverbal cues. Right. And, and I think there's, you know, kind of wisdom in, in uh, those things that you said. And, you know, one of the things I think about, Danny, is that in, in our, you know, our society, our, our social conditioning, it's really to win arguments. You know, we're kind of competitive by nature, right? And and so many of us have really forgotten how to be active listeners, right? We yeah. say listening is a, it's an activity. It's not a not a passive event, right? And and there's a bunch of benefits that you can gain. And you know, some of these you you heard before, but you know, if you're uh, specifically focus on the message being communicated, you know, avoid distractions and, and the preoccupations, you know, don't be on your phone, don't be looking at your computer. And, and, you know, even though, like you said, if you, if you're not making eye contact, people might make the assumption that, that that's what you're doing, right? Yeah. You gain a full uh, accurate understanding, speaker's point of view, get, get what their ideas, like you mentioned before, right? You're going to learn things that if, uh, if you're a good, good active listener, right? You can critically assess what's being said, you know, asking those follow-up questions, those, you know, getting, getting clarity about what, uh, what you're talking about. Right. And like, we can talked I jump about in there for a second, you know, sure. that's, that's interesting point because sometimes, and I think maybe it's a, um, I don't know, maybe it's one of those things where we don't want to appear dumb or we don't want to appear not understanding or what have you. Sometimes I think a lot of folks don't ask for clarification, and, uh, you know, one of the great things to do is just, you know, okay, I'm, I'm not really following you here. Can, let me tell you what I understood you saying and see if that, see if this makes sense or make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Just little things like that. But some of, so many of us just don't really want to take the, 
the time to do that. Sometimes it's embarrassment. Sometimes it's we don't want to feel you know inferior, whatever it is. Uh, I think there's a lot of psychological things going on there. But that is so powerful just to stop and say, okay, what I heard you say is this. Is that right? Am I following you right on this? You know, and that that helps to keep that communication going as well. Absolutely, great point, Danny. You know, when you when you give somebody instructions or you're telling somebody something you know, on the other end, you know, lots of times it sounds good, you know, coming out of our mouth, but is that the, you know, the actual message that got communicated? Sure. Asking those follow-up questions, you know, in the and when I was in the military, one of the key things that we used to do, if there was, uh, you know, mission critical or life critical instructions, mm-hmm. we make sure you repeat them back and forth. So we're sure. exactly on the same page, right? right. That important and yeah. it's an uh, important skill to develop. Sure. So I remember early in my career, I, I, before I got involved with manufacturing and ultimately safety, I worked in restaurant management for a, a while. And uh I remember it was in one particular training class where that I was a trainee and they were teaching us how to interact with the public and, you know, how to diagnose if there were problems, just basic customer relations, one-on-one kind of thing. And, you know, it was kind of a setup, quite obviously. One of the trainers was, was doing a bit of a role play kind of thing where he was the customer sitting at the table and the, the managers, if you will, were coming over to talk to them and see how things were going. And he came over and, you know, you, you Hey, how are things today? I oh, was great. And he says, uh, how was your food today? And he, the gentleman responded, not too hot. And, and instantly everybody started trying to solve the problem. Oh, I'm sorry. What was wrong with it? Did it not taste good, but blah, 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 blah. You know, and, <laughs> and you can imagine every, and that person couldn't diagnose the thing. So somebody else tried, we went through three or four people as each one of us tried to get up and see what was wrong with this gentleman's order. And he wouldn't tell them. And finally he stopped. <laughs> yeah. He stopped everybody he says, Oh no, no, no. Y'all don't understand. He says, I simply said, you asked me how my food was today. And I said, not too hot. Came in here last week. I tried to eat it too quick. It was right out of the oven and it burnt the crap out of my mouth, you know? So today <laughs> it wasn't too hot. I, you know, good temperature. But we assume a lot of things there and we've yeah, all we seen that word broken down phonetically. We won't go into that today, yeah. uh, but certainly there's, it's just, you know, again, listening to understand and, and just making sure we understand what people are saying and what, you know, restating that, you know, and, and asking those follow-up questions. This is really, really big, right? That's a great story, Andy. Yeah. So, you know, you know, a few other things on listening, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we talked about the, you know, our nonverbal cues and, and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, a couple other things that, you know, we might be not thinking about, and, and I think it's important to, me- to mention, and that's really showing, you know, sincere recognition to people. You know, when, when we talk about communication, it's not just how we communicate, but it's what we communicate. And a lot of times, as you know, Danny, we get in the mode where, you know, we, we, we want to get things done. Uh, we, yes. we might tend to, you know, interact with people or engage people when, you know, we need to correct an error, for example, Right or when we need them to do something for us. And we've got to be deliberate about being out there and, and showing, you know, not just saying good job, pat on the back, but, you know, tell them what it meant to you. Well, you know, sure. why was it important to you? What was the benefit to us? What was the benefit to the organization? Given that specific, sincere feedback is something that I wanted to make sure that we captured here when we talked about trust and engagement. Yeah. You don't want to just be talking to people when it's only the, the, quote unquote, bad things, right? When you're only given that, that, that 
I won't say discipline, but certainly that coaching on things that uh, sure. have gone yeah. wrong or gone bad, right? If that's the only time you're talking to your folks, every time they they see you come walking up, what are they automatically going to assume? Oh, insert yeah. phrase here. Uh, what, what went wrong now, right? So you you got to make sure you're, that you're talking to folks all the time, right? Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of stuff here uh, related to listening skills, uh, and I think you covered some great, great benefits here uh, and from that. In summary, I, I think it just having those conversations really just begins to build that trust and, and gets people engaged. And that's what we're trying to do here, right? Exactly. You know, getting to open communication, practicing some of the skills that, you know, asking open-ended questions, for example, showing appreciation if you are deliberate about those things. You're going to get that open communication going. It's going to lead to, to people trusting you, going to build engagement, going to get better information. And, you know, as a result, come up with, with better solutions and create a, you know, good atmosphere to work in, good, good climate to work in. Yeah, absolutely. And in the words of our uh, good friend and fellow consultant, Keith, Keith Osborne, indeed. Yes. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Keith there. Yeah. Uh, so Pete, this has been a really, really productive podcast. Uh, thank you for sharing your time and your wisdom with everybody with this. And thanks for your contributions on this white paper. I think it's a phenomenal resource for everybody. And again, just thanks for being here today. Yeah, you're, as always, uh, far too kind. Danny, but thank you. It's always a pleasure to, you know, be on these podcasts with you. And I hope you invite me real soon to be on another one. Thanks so much again. And uh, thanks for everyone else for your time today on behalf of Pete and the entire Safe Talk team. I really appreciate you listening. Be sure to share this with others. And don't forget to download the complete white paper. Uh, we do have a link to that on our show notes. So that's our time for today. Thanks so much for listening again. Uh, I'm Danny Smith for Safe Talk with Safe Start. So go out and just have a great day. 